You know, I got to spend a few minutes with my son this week, and uh, I kind of get, get into the denial. When I don't see him, I kind of kind of shut down. But every time I see my son, I have such a great experience of just fellowshipping with him. But he was telling me something about our society today and, and a survey that was made. And, and today, our society, because we've been trained through the media and you know fast food and everything about instant gratification, and we want it now. In fact, we want it yesterday, but we're waiting for it right now. And how um, an experiment was, ma was made with some young children. And they were sat in a room, and they were each given one marshmallow. And they were told if they will wait for a certain amount of time, they would get two marshmallows. But over almost all of them ate that one marshmallow because it was right in front of their face. And I often think about our, our relationship with God in our spiritual life. There are so many distractions, and it's so tempting to eat the marshmallow today, to, to get gratification, to go after what seems most uh, acceptable, most fulfilling, most desirable in the moment. But I'm so glad that you're all here today, that you're sowing to your spiritual life. It says that if we sow to the Spirit, we're going to reap everlasting life. And that life is the presence of God currently now in our life, helping us to delay gratification sometimes, to delay fulfilling things that are offering us to go that way or to give attention to instead of building up our spiritual life and, and growing. Again, this is week 14, but it, hopefully you're seeing every week it's not always the same thing of raising our emotional health. And I want to talk a little bit about foundations. Foundations are what we build our life on. There are different things that we build foundationally in our life. And if we just stop and think a little bit, we can think of all the things established by our life experiences, foundations that we built on, the way we think, the way we act, the things that we like. Because we're accustomed to certain things, we gain likes and dislikes by our experiences. And, you know, we've been talking about the word orientation for the last two weeks. And our foundations are those things that orient us to certain likes or dislikes, or even uh, negative experiences, our life orientation establishes strongholds of anger, bitterness, um, uh, negative feelings, even unbelief because of circumstances or things that we deal with. Even a physical illness can establish an orientation, a, a belief system, a way to think. And God, what God's trying to do as we're raising our emotional health is to uh, help us have a reorientation, something that we can look at that's going to be different because God is going to help us change our experience. One of the um, kind of like sentences we've been kind of going, going out and looking at is, uh, I used the one about breaking the power of the past, that we look at how we were raised, our beliefs, our outlooks, our lifestyles that formed us and formed our behavior. Jesus... When we come to Christ and accept him, he is the one that is giving us a new foundation, a new baseline, a new source of belief system, uh, a new spiritual input in our life from which we can have a, a, a new life and, and live differently. In 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7, Peter wrote, For in the scripture it says, See, look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. 
Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. God wants to change us. That's that life that's being built in us. That reestablishment for true change. Renewed purpose. I was thinking of... um, Nineteen eighty-nine, you know, different times I share with you uh, how we went into a prophetic conference. We got to a place in our life where we had a prophetic conference, and we're going to have one next year in, in May, <coughs> where you know we've been praying and we really want to know if we we're going the direction God had for us. And the first time we ever had a prophetic presbytery where we s- submitted ourselves and you know we were p- we had been praying and fasting and following the Lord to the best of our abilities as disciples. And I remember. This one prophet, Brother Bradley. In fact, I saw him at the at the uh, MFI in October, and I went up to him and I said, "Brother Bradley, I want to let you know in '89 you prophesied over us, and from that time, it changed our lives. And you know, we're active in ministry right now. And he was just so happy to hear someone, you know, here 30 something years later, that that uh, he would he would hear someone telling them that the word you said to me was so profound." And it was very imparting because when prophetic word comes, it imparts the very thing that God is saying to you. And one of the words he said was really sticking out to me today. He said that your priorities are going to change. I'm going to cause you to put the kingdom of God first and your priorities and how you live and your purposes are going to be all about building up the kingdom of God. I felt every time I think about that prophetic word, it just brings emotion to me. It brings this thing because there's, there's come such a passion about the kingdom of God, such a passion that people uh, come and, and uh, come to know Jesus and come to let the Holy Spirit change them in every way that he can change them because there's such fulfillment and purpose. There's an eternal purpose that comes into our lives when we, we put God first. And I was thinking about how he said that, um, that our priorities you know, we're going to be about the kingdom of God. And I thought, like, how the progression of my life came to that place where my priorities changed. And um, the things I was going to live for and the job I was going to do was no longer going to be what I, what I had been doing, but God was going to change my priorities. And in this process of, of having God help us heal our past, change our attitudes and the things that have affected us, that that our priorities change. And I'm sure if you stop and think about it, you could think about 10 years ago, the things that you did or the things you were interested in have changed and, and they don't have as much meaning. <coughs> maybe even some of the sports you're involved with, you're not doing anymore because maybe you, your body can't handle it. You know, I can remember uh, certain friends I've had where, you know, the certain sports that they did, but then as they got older, they, they could no longer do it. I can remember Ken Van Meter's uh, dad just loved being retired and playing golf, but there was a day when he, he went to swing the ball and, and his back literally fell apart because his bones had degenerated from his age. And so different things happen where we, we change our purposes. But how awesome it is to come into this relationship with God and find out he's the one that starts moving us from different purposes and different priorities and we find a greater fulfillment because he changes our desires. He changes our motivations. And, and hopefully as you're dealing and working through the different things that have shaped your life and shaped your belief system and, and affected you both positively and negatively, you're going to find this excitement about your growth emotionally and your growth spiritually. 
Jesus is our, our new foundation. You know, some of our old foundations, you know, we're ashamed of. You know, they, they weren't good. They're, um, sometimes things have been done to us that deeply have hurt us, being rejected. You know, having things happen to us, deaths that are overwhelming, and, and we wonder, well, why has this happened? You know, what's going on? The Holy Spirit, I think, is an excavator. I think he's involved in digging. He's a great earth mover that comes in and he just plows up everything and changes the, the way we think and our priorities. And he often does it by uh, cataclysmic events that happen in our life that just cause us to, to wonder what's going on, to cause us to realize that life is not just this thing that's just going on and on and, and, and nothing changes. So I look at him as like an excavator. So talking about old foundations, um, I want to give foundations a name today. Let's call them iniquities. Let's call them what they really are, especially the sinful foundations. You know, when I was a kid growing up, um, they Avon used to advertise, you know, Avon calling. Uh, when my mom's Avon lady would come, I'd say, hey, mom, the Avon lady's here. And the word iniquity in the Hebrew is Avon. And... <coughs> It means evil, a fault, a sin. Now, you're not faulty if you still use Avon or guilty because of that, but that just happens to be the word, what the word means. Guilt, blame, moral illness, perversion, crookedness. Avon is derived from Avon to bend or to distort. So iniquity is the evil bent within human beings or the crooked direction or warped deeds of sinners. Also, it's connected with generational patterns, generational bents. Again, we, we are creatures of habit. Whoever we hang around, you know, we, we tend to talk like them. Uh, I remember uh, Dory's brother was in our house for a while, and my daughter still uses some of the terms and uh, talks the way he talked when he was with us for a couple years. And it's so comfortable how we can get uh, be, you know, in, around certain people, and so we take on their mannerisms. And so isn't it something that generationally, iniquities, things that can be passed upon us, and maybe even we, we were never directly involved with it, but the sin patterns, the things that, that we're born into, it says we're all born, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we're born with even sin patterns on us. There's even generational things that maybe we, we weren't even connected with people in our family, and we find it being played out in our life. Those are what God wants to be broken off of us when we're talking about raising our emotional health it has to do with our thinking has to do with our feelings has to has to do with the past that we've established in, in living our life that God wants to break these iniquities these strongholds so keep in mind if there's a bent if there's something that man I try to get rid of this I just can't do it I believe God wants to to deliver us of things I guess I believe from what the scripture says because of the work of the Holy Spirit there's generational things there's Iniquities. There are things and bents in us that God wants to keep breaking off of us. Why? Because he's trying to establish such a, a great work of restoration and who we are as new creations in Christ that we are going to act differently. And the more we're free from bents and things of our past, the more we begin to operate in the spirit. We begin to be uh, fulfilling the purposes of God. We begin to walk strong in spirit. We begin to rise up over those things that have held us back and kept us from being what God has created us to be in Christ. really crackling with my notes here. 
in Psalms 40.12. This is a Psalm of David. David writes this, For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. <clears throat> Even often, as Christians, you know, things that we know we're struggling with, attitudes, even attitudes uh, and dislikes or anger towards people can hinder us even from worshiping God because it's something we know it's not right and we're living with it and yet we feel like we're in bondage. In one part of our mind and our understanding, we know, hey, we're saved, we're born again. And yet in this other part, we feel restricted by these iniquities, these things that are hanging on, these uh, experiences in our emotions, in our soul, in our past are still... Uh, just exerting great effect on how we're living our lives and how, our, how we're behaving. So even David, we know he, he, he had committed adultery. He murdered. You know, even though he was a man after God's heart, we know those iniquities that were inbred in him. And we know the cause and effect of even David's sins, how they played out in his son's lives, in his family's lives. Again, the iniquities are the generational sins, the bents, the strongholds. Even the demonic influences um, when doors are open. You know, sometimes when we give ourselves innocently, innocently or in our ignorance to certain sins, we open also spiritual strongholds for the enemy to come in in our thinking, in our minds. When a person goes into pornography, they open doors and they establish habit patterns where Satan can bring mindsets and re review and renew thoughts to them. But there's a spiritual dynamic that come in sometimes in, in those sins where that's what has to be broken, and we can break them through Jesus Christ being in our life and, and breaking those strongholds by coming against them, by praying about it, by realizing, no, Jesus is in me, and there's a freedom. There's, there's an iniquity breaker now living inside of me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. So we can begin to wrestle with these certain things and get freedom from them because we believe and know because we're growing strong and spiritually, and the Word of God is renewing our mind. We realize, wait a minute, I don't have to put up with this anymore. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He wants to break those patterns, those sin bands, and those strongholds that keep us from walking and believing and living in this freedom where there's joy, there's confidence in God, that no matter what comes along, I've learned to establish this working relationship with God that He is in me, and I've seen Him answer prayers where I keep feeding and I keep sowing more of truth into God. I sow more into my spirit so that I'm getting stronger in my relationship with God and I keep overcoming in these things that, that once overcame me. It, uh, Isaiah prophesied. Well, let me read another Psalm of David. Psalm 65.3. David says, Iniquities prevailed against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Again, even though he was before Christ, David had a deep-seated faith in God. And even though he had this iniquitous nature, he knew he had these sin bits, he had a faith and he believed that God, that somehow there would be an atonement. There would be someone that rise up and deal with what I have to deal with to bring true freedom to me. Isaiah the prophet prophesied this in foretelling about Jesus. This is Isaiah 53, 5. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgression he, Jesus, was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed to free us from the power of those iniquities in our life, those sin bents, those places where we have been broken. He, Jesus, was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
the promise of healing has to come out of realizing we have been broken out of iniquity. Just like sin came through Adam and sin passed upon all men, freedom came through Jesus Christ, the second Adam, and life passed upon all men, and sins were forgiven. Our iniquities were forgiven. So we're in this process of restoring, of taking back, of appropriating the freedom we have from iniquity, from those things that limit and water down our faith, and even healing for our physical bodies comes through the breaking off of those iniquities, those bents, those things that keep us from, from uh, realizing the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 11 he prophesies again. The, the Isaiah the prophet writes these words. He, God, shall see the labor of his, his son, Jesus, his soul, Jesus' soul, and be satisfied. The agony that Jesus went through in the soul, the pain of even the, the salvation of our soul, Jesus, his own soul being broken for us, felt the iniquities, the weight of the sins, all of our sins were on Jesus in his soul when he was in torment before in the garden. And when he went to the cross bearing the weight of our sins, it was to break off the iniquities, to break off the strongholds that stand against us, the strongholds that have been generationally over our lives. He came to die to break them off. So his soul felt that. God will see the labor of his Jesus' soul and be satisfied. Our punishment, our sins had to be paid for. And so Jesus, he had to bear all of them by his meaning God's knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he, Jesus, shall bear their iniquity. Isn't that such an awesome thing when we start thinking about someone bore the very thing I'm struggling with? It gives me a new confidence in Jesus Christ living in me that I'm going to walk free from it, that I'm going to break out of it. I believe today that you are going to grab hold. Some of these things, some of you are going to grab hold of this, and you're going to walk away from things that have held you. You're just going to walk out from under them because the revelation of the freedom, the understanding of your contract, your covenant with God in this new relationship, in this new inheritance you have with Jesus Christ, there's a faith you're going to grab hold of, and you're going to walk free from something. And you're going to experience a greater liberty in what Jesus has come to do by coming and living in your life and dying for you personally. Other foundations. Foundations of iniquities displaced. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation, Paul wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It is not our fault that we were born with a foundation of iniquities laid in our life. It was not our fault. But Jesus knew that we were born in, in sin and we were connected with sin and it was in our very breathing nature. But he knew that he could come and build in us a new foundation. And so when we receive Jesus Christ, the, the cornerstone is laid. The bedrock of our new life is laid in Jesus Christ. The ability to walk free from things that cause us to walk in shame, that discourage us and take away our hope and cause us to just barely get, it, get through it. Sometimes we relegate ourselves, well, at least I'm saved. No! No! You guys at Hillside, there's a greater calling for us. We're, there's more demanded of you here. We are here. We want you to become strong disciples in Jesus Christ. We want you to learn to follow Jesus. We don't want everything that's tried to form you or, or discourage you about Jesus or about God in your life. And I know many times we've gone, when we're talking about raising our emotional health, when we look at things that have happened to us, we, we, we seem to think, well, man, this happened. If God really cares about me, why did this happen? I can't give you an answer. But don't let that thing hinder the faith in what God wants to do in spite of what you went through. 
what is God wanting to do despite what you went through, despite what's happened to you? What does God want to do in spite of that? How out of that weakness does God want you to cause you to rise up in this new strength, cause you to experience something that greater than any negative thing that you've gone through? Paul is always talking about us and reminding us we've got to build new foundations. In 1 Corinthians 3.10, backing one verse up, according to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds. Are you having trouble building right now in your Christian faith? That's the very thing that God wants to deal with. Because it's going to hinder your faith. It's going to hinder your expectation. It's going to hinder your understanding that Jesus Christ is living in you. There's, there's a power of God throbbing in you. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that wants to bring this new life into being. It wants to bring these gifts and abilities that are deep-seated in you. The creator is in you if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. There's a creative ability that wants to come out of you. And there's, in this time of growth... This creative development is going on in your spirit. It's going to cause you to rise above your circumstances, rise above your life experiences and your thought patterns that have been established because God is alive. He's living. He's active. What hinders you in your faith? What hinders you right now in your spiritual life? Maybe write that question down and kind of meditate on this week. You know, Dory sets a pattern for a lot of things we watch in our house. And she found a new show called The Fixer Upper. It's the Gaines couple in Waco, uh, Texas, who buy houses and renovate them for people and get people into a house that they couldn't afford, but because it's a broken down house in a lower income area, and they're happy and they've got a house just like they want. One episode, they had this house that it was so old. It was probably almost 100 years old, but it had a lot of potential. And that's us. We have a lot of potential. And he put this marble in the center of the kitchen, and it kind of rolled downhill. And he said, there's a lot of problems in this house. We've got to jack up the foundation. I tell you, to heal our emotions, to raise our spiritual level, God wants us to jack up our house. God wants to jack up our house. There are foundations. There are things in place that have happened to us and been done to us that we must deal with. They must be removed so that that foundation stone of our cornerstone in Jesus Christ can reestablish a new foundation of faith, a, re a new foundation of belief in who is working in us and who is changing us. And God wants to restore you. And so when you come and start working with God, and you let him start working on your emotions, letting you start working on anger issues and attitudes and uh, uh, mindsets and, and um, judgments that we have that are so automatic when we're around people, those show the faulty foundations, the faulty belief systems that have been established that God wants to go to the root of, and he wants to jackhammer them out. He wants to excavate the deepness of those things that are affecting your faith that you might be an overcomer, that you might arise above a, a negative atmosphere, oppression and depression, discouragement and opposition that comes every day in our life because we live in a fallen world. You've got to determine, God, I'm going to let you jack up my house. I'm going to let you go to the roots. I'm going to let you dig deep. I'm going to let you uh, go to the places where it's been uncomfortable. I have not even wanted to think about it, but I cannot live with it anymore because my past is holding me to my past. 
My past is holding me back from a future that you have. God, you're good. Everything about your word says you're good. The fact that you sent Jesus to die for me says that you're good. I must have all that you did for me. I must have an understanding and experience deep in my heart that tells me my life can be different than what it is today and what I'm feeling and experiencing today. Amen. In Psalms 103, 2 and 3, it says, and this again is a Psalm of David, bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases. And I know in our congregation, people are suffering with things. We are praying for people every day, but we are contending with them that God is going to give them a breakthrough in healing. God, we're contending for you, Norm and Judy, that there's going to be a breakthrough, Amen. that God is going to break off whatever you're going through that God's going to bring you into a new season and a new day. We are praying and believing that Paul is going to get up out of that wheelchair. We are praying and believing that Ryan is going to be free from the headaches and is going to be back in the drum cage. We are praying and believing, Lord, that God is going to bring Diane Gotchen back to us. Dave, we've been praying that your sons are going to come back to God and, and be free from those things that have trapped them. We're praying and believing that your house is going to be restored. We're praying and believing. We're contending. There are people suffering with mental illness and different things going on. We're praying and believing that they're going to overcome. There's things that try to, to separate us from God and discourage us and keep us like, okay, just till we get to heaven. No, we're praying and believing that there's going to be resurrection like now, that Jesus is going to do things now for us. These scriptures you have to almost like memorize, especially when you're living in opposition to what this says. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. That means every bent, every bent, every bent, every bent. To this week, this week, uh, I felt like I looked at depression, a couple things that I deal with, and I, I felt like God was saying, I want to deal with this. Whoa, for me? You know, I've been freely sharing my weakness, but to think that God would move that out of my life or cause me to move and rise above that, that gives me such a faith that God is in me. And even though I deal with negative things, I'm not going to stay under those negative things. Iniquity. Jack up my house. Luke 4.18. You can go there. I'm going to go there. Jesus, when he started his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Amen. That comes under everything that can, uh, you can identify as something oppressing you. That is an iniquity. That's something that Jesus came. What good did he come for if we cannot have a freedom? It gives us a place to contend from. It gives us a place to appropriate from. We'd be able to take God's word and say, you paid a high price. I need to be free. Praying about your back, Jeff. Always praying that God will totally alleviate that so that you're not uh, troubled by that, that you don't have nerves pinched in. You know, people speaking about back trouble, it's probably the biggest thing that happens when you get older. Everything gets weak. But God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our healer. He's our hope that God will resurrect us and he will change us. You know, this church has often dealt with uh, people who have gone through brokenness and addictions. And uh, even my wife, and sharing her testimony, coming out of alcohol, alcoholism, going to NA meetings and AA meetings and 
uh, learning about the 12 steps. And we've offered recovery for 10 years in this church of giving people practical tools to help them move out of those strongholds and those emotional things and things that have happened to them that have created uh, a bent towards an addiction. An addiction temporarily covers the pain that we have because of the brokenness of our life. And we either live in the addiction or we say no and we start feeling the pain and we start getting back our life. And often when we start getting back our life, we're discouraged because we see how much uh, we've left, how much ground has been left unplowed and not dealt with. But I, I wanted to read step six to us today because as Christians, we have a basis to move forward. We, and I might have even spelled that wrong, yes. Yeah, put ready to have two. That second two before God shouldn't be there. We are entirely ready to have God remove all these character defects. You know, you get to the place where you're tired of being tired. You're tired of living the same way. You have enough, God, but you don't have enough to walk in this freedom. And, and it's almost like you get to this place and you say, enough, enough. And that's the place God looks for. I remember t- Freddie's testimony talking about God getting to this place for enough of this addiction. And there was that transitional moment where he moved from being in that addiction to walking in a total freedom. <clears throat> there has to be this place where we are growing spiritually, we are feeding our spirit, we're going to God, we're crying out, but we get to this place where enough is enough, and we reach out in faith, and we step into a whole new freedom, and we walk away from things that once held us in bondage, that, that were our framework of reference, that identified us, that labeled us, that people labeled us, that our family labeled us, that even said, oh, they're never going to change, oh, they're always going to be like that, but no, in Jesus Christ, you cannot be labeled and limited but you can walk into this incredible freedom. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these character defects. I'm tired. I want to be free. You paid for that freedom. Old stones, old foundations, old blocks, old generational strongholds can be abandoned through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul wrote to remind us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away are passing away. Behold, all things have become new, are becoming new. <clears throat> freedom. Freedom in our relationships. Freedom in our marriages. Out of complacency. Out of attitudes. Being able to really embrace and have the love of God and look at our spouses differently. Appreciate and value our spouses for who they are because God gave them to us. And they're an incredible gift to compliment us, to change us, to add to us, and help take away from us those negative things. I wonder whether I should go back to something I said two weeks ago. <clears throat> We're in God. I've been talking about being in God, Him and us. We're in God. Colossians 3.3, it says, For as far as this world is concerned, you have died, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. That being a place of reorientation. Again, changing our thinking and our orientation from this world and our life experiences. Remember I told you that story about how Zechariah prayed for that promise. Him and Sarah, him and um, uh, Elizabeth were barren and they couldn't have a child. And that whole thing where Luke one twenty four, the angels, uh, it says that um, after what the angel had said, it says Elizabeth became pregnant. And in that time of God, she brought forth a son and yet her and her husband were barren. 
And I gave you that definition of being pregnant, carrying a developed fetus within the uterus. And the definition of uterus is the organ that holds that place that's being developed. And really, your spirit is your uterus for change. It's the place where the Holy Spirit is taking up residence. All the creative power of the God who created you in the universe is living in your spirit. It's like a woman's uterus that holds that unborn child that's being developed and created. Since you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, your spirit has been holding the creativity of what you're to be and who you can be and how you can overcome. It's a place that's developing. You may feel nothing. You may think of nothing. How often, too, women may be pregnant for a while before they even know. I tell you, from the moment you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you became pregnant, pregnant with change, pregnant with the ability to be someone different, pregnant with the ability to have hope and encouragement. Something is growing. It's life in you. If Jesus is in you, there's life being generated and created. There's ability to have our minds renewed and, and strengthened and changed. In Luke 131, it, Gabriel goes to Mary and he says, Listen, you will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus said, I think it's in John 739, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, because it's the Spirit of God in our spirit that resonates and resides and lives and dwells and roots itself down in our spirit and he causes this generating this life and you could have the worst day and what happens the next day you don't even feel the same why because jesus is in you and he creates this motivation and this excitement and this hope about the new day why because today is today but tomorrow is tomorrow but it is jesus who continually renews our hopes there's something that has to get in us where we, we realize there's something greater in us. There's greater potential in me. doesn't matter what people said to me. doesn't matter what my past has said. doesn't matter how good or bad I did in school. God, Christ is in us. It's the hope of glory and change. It's the hope of something is going to be changed and regenerated in me. doesn't matter who you lost or what you lost. God can restore our losses. But it comes out of our faith and comes out of who's in us and what we're doing, how we're activating our faith, how we're practicing and stepping out on those things we feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us to do and the knowing that comes by having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Life takes over where dead things once lived. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. That means I'm dead to all my past, all the limited potential I've ever known. I'm dead to it. I'm dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. Again, we're not living in him to be robots. We're living in him to produce what he has put deep within us. The purposes that resonate deep within us are part of what's going on in this new life. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith and by inheritance and reliance and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. There's a place. We're part of the body of Christ. There's a place for all of us to keep functioning together to affect this world. You know, as you think about your iniquities, those things that are holding your back, those thought patterns, make those lists. And pray about those lists. Wrestle with God over those things that are limiting you and keeping you from believing in who Jesus is in you. Again, iniquities are our old orientation. 
some of us Christians can get some Christian religious orientations. We become disoriented by life that we don't understand and because we can't always feel the Lord. And sometimes we don't even understand the seasons or the length of the seasons we find ourselves in. Again, remember Zechariah. He was an old man. He had been a priest serving and offering uh, prayers for a long period of time, and he had slipped into unbelief that God would answer his prayers, and yet he kept praying the same prayer. What about our iniquities and reorientations? I am ready to let them go. I can walk away from them. The Holy Spirit has worked and renewed my mind, and it is the Holy Spirit giving me new opportunities, new experiences. Our iniquities can keep us from being the new creations Jesus made us to be. We're to be emotionally healthy, and that's what we've been talking about, restoring, dealing with every feeling, every attitude, every imagination of the heart, all for this purpose, all to get to where I want to talk about right now. All that we've been talking about for 14 weeks is to get to where we're talking about right now. In our key verse, John 1, 14, I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, The word Christ became flesh, human, incarnate. A tabernacle fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as the only begotten Son receives from his Father, full of grace, full of favor, full of loving kindness, and full of truth. An incarnate God, Jesus, became vulnerable to us, troubled people. Jesus became human and was one of us. Our journey in raising our emotional health is, to, is of a great and for a great purpose. The definition of incarnate, embodied in a mortal human form, personified. Jesus is God in the flesh, and Jesus is now God in us. As in Jesus, we're in him and he lives in us. We are to become real and enter our world. It's so important that we realize just as Jesus was incarnate, as his body, we become incarnate. We become God in this world. God through us becomes God in this world. It's the Jesus living in us becomes real to the world. Jesus left, but he left a body here. It's the body of Christ. He, God in us, through our living it out, through being transformed and changed, and then entering other people's world, we bring Christ to them. We bring a living Jesus to them. Being Him being all God in us, we surrender our lives and let Him transforming us and letting us become His disciples. When we allow ourselves to do this, the greater we grow in our spiritual gifts and our abilities and we get to express those, but it's to a world. It's to a world that are dying. It's to a, a broken world that needs to see Jesus. Again, Satan would be happy for us to focus on our problems and just barely make it from week to week, but we're supposed to rise above that. We're still supposed to be powerful members of the body of Christ affecting a dying world, being incarnate like Jesus was, being part of this world, but affecting and bringing influence into this world by who Jesus is in us. I hope you guys are getting that and understanding that. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus told the disciples to go into the world. Well, who, who, who do we take into the world? We take Jesus because he's living in us. That's why it's so important to keep feeding on Jesus, to keep feeding on the word, to keep letting him transform our lives because we become more effective, more powerful to a, to a dying world that's looking for a savior, that's looking for something real. In John 1, 4, in him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Life. My daughter was telling me this morning as she took me to church that uh, she lost a patient last night. And she said, wow, just three days ago, Dad, this person was alive. And, you know, they were talking, they're, they're, they were connected with their family, and last night they died. And as me and another nurse prepped the body for to go to the morgue, she said it was almost like he was just sleeping because his body was still warm, but the life had gone out of him. And she said it made her feel really sad to, to know that this person was living, but now they're gone. But it's that reality that in him is life. Jesus, Jesus is the one that has given us life. Our spirit is alive in this body, but at some moment, he's going to call that life back to himself. That same spirit of Jesus is living in us. And that's that life that that verse said. In him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. We have light in ourselves as we're feeding on Jesus and we're letting that life get brighter and brighter. As we're turning up the candle power, by filling ourselves with the Lord, by communing and fellowshipping with him, the light increases. And we, when we're around people, we start getting out of ourselves and we start letting that incarnate part of Jesus who is in us, we start letting it out. That Jesus personified in us, in our person of who we are, in our experiences, in our witness, it begins to be spread to people who have no hope, people who, who are broken, who, who need a word of encouragement. That's what comes out. That's life. That's the light that shines out from us. In, in James 2, 26, it says, the body without the spirit is dead. And the way my daughter was talking, she saw that firsthand today what happened. A body without the spirit, a dead person. We are alive. Jesus is alive in us. We have a spirit in these bodies. We're still alive. We're still breathing life. But there's a greater one giving us life in us that wants to let there come out a resurrected life. There's, a, there's a, a word that you have. You don't have to know the whole Bible. Just in your walking with Jesus, you will have something to offer someone that comes around you who has no hope, who is discouraged, who is lost, who is broken. The Holy Spirit can quicken your heart and mind and understanding to be able to give truth out to a person who's lost and broken. First Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. What a great privilege he passed on to us that he died, paid for our sins, and went to heaven, but he left a body on earth. And it's the church. It's all of us being members, but all of us becoming active. And it doesn't uh, mean you have to instant instantaneously be uh, like one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. But in this progression, letting God grow in you, you're going to start manifesting uh, 
the, the activity of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to use you for. And your witness is going to be powerful. When we're able to uh, enter another person's world, we're bringing Jesus in a reality. We've been formed for purpose. In Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Again, that life was in an unformed body. But when Jesus, when God breathed into Adam and man became a living being, he started taking on and began oriented with his surroundings. It's the same way when the whole world went into sin, the whole world became disoriented and disconnected from God. Jesus comes back on the scene and he dies on the cross. We accept Jesus Christ, we're born again. He wants to breathe life into our dead bodies again. Pentecost was the example of the Holy Spirit coming to the world that we could have new life breathed into us. Every day we could have fresh life breathed into us. We could have continually have Pentecost every day because the Holy Spirit's been released into the world to come and live in our spirits in these earthen bodies. Jesus wants to fill us. And when we're, when we're in that process, you know, we can give out. When you begin, when you look at Genesis, man was formed. Man was breathed into. He became a living being. He was connected with God. We can see in, in, in Genesis the, what they did in the garden. They tended the garden. Adam named all the animals. It shows that creative life that was in him because he was formed and then created. Us, in the same process, we accept Jesus Christ. We're born again. We're, we're being formed. Sometimes we're being conformed. Sometimes we're going through uncomfortable things because God's changing and rooting out old belief systems, old iniquities, and so it's uncomfortable. But after you're formed in these areas, the Holy Spirit is breathed into those places. The Holy Spirit enters those areas that you're not too proud of right now, that, that are still being worked on. But when he's done forming and shaping you, when you've gone on the potter's wheel a few times and, and been broken and reshamed, shaped, it's because of the activity of the Holy Spirit forming you, and then he fills. Ever notice you go through something, and, and out of that process, you don't know who you are, but when you've gone through the process, there's a new forming. There's a new place for Jesus to inhabit, and the Holy Spirit overflows into that area and fills it. Then you have a testimony. You have a witness. You have an understanding of what, what you went through, and then you're, you're that incarnate, your, your flesh, your real into a broken world. You're bringing Jesus into a broken world because you now have understanding. You now have a, a, a wisdom that's gained by your experiences, by your pressures, by your being formed, by, by those tests and trials that are shaping you. And now you, you're, you're living out something that you didn't have before because you've experienced God. Would our worship team come? Stand with me. As you have an opportunity, if you'd like prayer, come forward, let people pray for you. Let the Holy Spirit just give you a give you a little nudge, give you a little working on, on some of those things you, you want to get free from. Lord, we just pray right now, we, we just acknowledge your Holy Spirit with us. God, many of us are in different phases of being transformed and 
Lord, there's different places you want to jack up our house and, Lord, take out some old foundations. But, Lord, some people are also ready for uh, just moving into a whole new area. And, Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to reveal to us, Lord, just what you're doing. Let the wisdom of God come into our spirit. Let an awareness, Lord, of the things that you want to change to change. Let us be open to receive you, Father, in ways that we have not received you yet, to let you work in places where you haven't worked. Thank you that your life is in us. Thank you that new life is bringing change and transformation. God, again, Lord, let what you want to be accomplished be accomplished this morning. In Jesus' name.